Hey guys, quickly before we start, we've been partnered up with YSN, Youth Sport Nutrition. A link will be put below. You can get 10% off. A Productions 10 at checkout. Also, you can support this channel on Patreon. A link will be put below. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It is DJ Armani, and I'm here with my co-host, Victor, to bring to you the second episode of Athletics Productions Podcast. Today, we are joined by one of the fastest British sprinters of the new age, Andy Robertson. Please. Tell us about yourself. Yeah, my name's Andy Robertson. I'm a 100 meter and a 60 meter specialist based myself in Manchester. And uh, yeah, my personal best is 10.10 and 654. Okay, what about the two? Do you do the two at all? Yeah, I like doing 200s. Um, got a PB? Yeah, 20.76. It's quite an old one. Quite an old PB? Yeah, about three, well, five years old, I'd say. Is it in the plans to reset that this yes, year? Yes, big time. I want to push on to like low 20 points if I can. Low twenties, yeah. is it possible? Can we do yeah. it? Yeah, like to say, why not? You know, if a, if a, if you aim to be a twenty point five runner, you won't do it. But if you aim to be a nineteen runner, you'll break twenty point five. So you've got to break the limits. You've got to push yourself, or else you won't get these standards and times. Really. Okay, I like the thought process. Yeah. So let's start off with quite easy questions. What brought you to the sport? Well, I used to do a lot when I was younger. I actually started off actually being a uh, cross country runner. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 it's not ideal. Yeah, it's not ideal. I tell you, cross country. Yeah, you're a better man than me. I know. It was much better. Oh, I used to bloody hate it at the time. You know, it used to be horrible. Well, I was always very small and skinny, and I always used to have just kept running and running. So I started off at a local club called East Cheshire Harriers. Um, okay. It was a typical thing. I used to jog the race and have a great sprint finish. Yeah. So when everyone thought, "Oh, your sprint finish is brilliant," I'm like, "Well, yeah, because I." I have to jog the rest of it just to make sure finish, you know, stuff like that. I'm doing it for, isn't it? Yeah, it's literally, it's like, it's literally that. If I, if I maintain pace to this point, then sprint, and it makes me look good, yeah. you know. Um, but it just got to the point where, as usual, you only get to a certain level. So mm-hmm. I moved to Cell Harriers then. And then that was a big step because there were some good middle distance runners there. And okay. I was struggling to make teams for that event, especially if you 800 meters as well. Okay. That was big ask because there were some good youngsters at the time. But... Doing a while, as, as they're still going now, the Young Athletes Leagues, we was doing the race at Blackpool, and I was selected to do the 800 metres and the 200 metres for the, both the B-string. Such a big gap in, yeah. in the events, it's, but it's <laughs> the Young Athletes League. It's the Young Athletes League, anything goes. Yeah, it's, you, you, all of it, you're just trying to fill spaces. You're yeah, just yeah. trying to get the full squad, aren't you, to get the yeah, points, points in for the team. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Come on, guys, just do it for just do it for the team. We need yeah, the points. Just do it for the team. <laughs> it literally was. So, like, obviously, I'm getting myself prepared for the 800, and I got quite badly beaten by the lads, especially not even just from Sale, but from other clubs. Okay. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to enjoy doing this 200, and I absolutely whooped it, absolutely demolished it. And I was thinking, hmm, I'm actually all right at this. And then they needed me for the relay. Yeah. So I ran a really good last leg, and I just thought, I'm going to give sprints right. a try, because... I'm actually quite fast and then obviously going better here than I was ever in, in the 800s. So. Yeah. How old was that? Like, how um, young were you then? I must have been about, I must have been about, uh, I think it was that first year when I was in secondary school, you know, okay. when I started, when I probably swapped because I was doing the sprints for the schools as well, yeah. even though I wasn't really training for it and I was doing a bit of both and I thought, you know what, I'm doing sprints for schools and I'm filling in for the 800s here, and I'm not really going anywhere for the middle distance. Yeah. So once I started filling in the spots then for um, the youngsters for the sprints for both sides, like for the school and club, that's when I thought, you know what, I'm going to keep doing this because I quite enjoy it. And I was actually quite a decent little 13-year-old uh, at the time as well. Okay, yeah. cool. So obviously back then it wasn't power of 10, it would have been something like athletics data or something. Were you one of the guys that used to 
compare himself on the rankings and see like what was going on in the rest of Britain. Yeah, kind of. I remember there was a few names um, for a couple of years. There was some familiar names um, that were around. One of the athlete was from Liverpool, and obviously some from the London lot. Yeah, and um, we were all like twelve second runners at the time. And mm. but I was because even though I was like twelve, thirteen, we didn't qualify for the English schools by then because obviously yeah. we were a bit young. Um, but I remember when I started going to the English schools a couple of years later, it was a real big jump. Okay. Being good in your local area to stepping up to English schools level. That yeah. Was real. yeah. So I remember in 2005, I uh, winning everything as a Greater Manchester's breaking records. And I remember seeing the rankings then of, I think I was running around like mid 11 seconds, which was okay for under 15, under 15, for under 15 yeah. which that's is pretty, that's right. pretty good. So, all right, you know, and then. So, and I remember checking the rankings then. It was actually a power of 10 even then. Oh, Seriously? Data under then, okay. something like that. So I was ranked, uh, obviously it was all hand timing then. So I was yeah. ranked about fourth or fifth, thinking I'm in the mix here going into English schools. Go to my first English schools in Birmingham. Um, had one of the favourites in my heat. Mm-hmm. And he batted, my, batted me by over half a second. And I went out <laughs> first round. And I PB'd as well, official PB of like 11-7 as well. I was that for your confidence? Like I was that immediately you finished. Did you just think... Yeah. Well, that was a terrible run. Or did you think, well, I had a PB. <laughs> Do you know <laughs> I'll what? Take it. No, it was actually just shocked because I was so used to winning in my local area mm-hmm. and I was so confident and I wouldn't say complacent, but I thought, this is it. I've got, yeah. I can do this, you know. Yeah. And I didn't even make the semis. I got absolutely... And I, and I checked the other heats and I still wasn't even qualified. These English schools guys just came out of nowhere. Yeah. And it comes to schools, athletes that don't really represent the clubs. Yeah. But go to English schools. They just come out of nowhere running these like low 11 seconds. And I'm just yeah. like, who are these guys? And it does actually make you want to stop the sport. It makes you think to yourself like, you know, you lose confidence, you know, because okay. you're so used to being that bubble of winning yeah. and competing. Yeah. And then you just go to these English schools that you prepare for and you just, just put your... Just, no, yeah. this transitions very well to the question about the North and the South. Because that would have been your first well, big view of competing with the South and the North together. Because in the North, it's only about Liverpool and probably like Preston. That's the <laughs> or thing. Or Leeds, yeah, something that like used to challenge you more. Well, well Stockport now as well. Well, around that area as well, obviously we had, I was competing against Richard Kilty as well. So, because yeah. he and I, we've raced each other since we were literally under 13s. Yeah. So, as we were top of our age group because Richard was always a year older. Um, we were always quite top of our tier. So when I was like top age under 15, he was bottom age under 17. But up north wasn't quite as tough at the time yeah. as it would be down the south. So, yeah. you know, even the Midlands were very good as well. So I was able to sometimes, as an under 17, enter as a senior or under 20 for Northerns yeah. and still medal, okay. which is yeah. quite... <laughs> realistically, you shouldn't be able to do that, really. Yeah. Where if I did that down south... I'd wouldn't even make the final because by then you still had the good the southern london athletes there yeah you know and um so whenever it came to our nationals it literally was me versus london at the time okay. you know cause especially with under 17 under yeah 15, under 17 it I wasn't we weren't quite as deadly then yeah probably now of course it's a lot better but by then because we didn't have the coaching and the setup as yeah. we do now but then was like a real wake-up call it's like this is a real race this you know so if their, I remember their Southern Championships was like their Nationals. Yeah. So I remember the likes of, um, you guys might remember the names, the likes of Jordan Huggins. Yeah. He had Antonio Francino at the time. Yeah, he was yeah. a good youngster. Still, yeah, he it? had a few others as well. Um, Jermaine Alexander was one of them as well. But yeah, he, he was rugby. very, very good. He under... was the one that destroyed me in the heat. Under you know? 15. Yeah, very good. 
You had a few others as well. That Joshua Patrick was one of them as well. I might remember the name of um, as well. He was only from like Slough? Yes. And he kind of like disappeared after the yeah. un, after under 17s. Yes. I don't okay, know. Yeah, I've, yeah. I haven't seen him for many years since then. I think he's yeah. made a few comebacks here and there, but I don't know what happened to him after. Yeah. Um, and I remember um, that then was like their Southern Champs was like their Nationals. Yeah. And they run fast. You know, there's so we were going to the Northerns, hit Spot City, running into minus two headwinds. Yeah. We were like 10 nines, but they'll be running at the Southern Champs somewhere like a Crystal Palace or wherever. We run like 10 sixes. 10 fives and it's like this is a big gap to close now so when it came to the nationals like at bedford or wherever else or even indoors this is like this is gonna but be then like it. you said i mean you guys were running into headwinds we would generally get the benefits in south of getting tailwinds or the track was just very fast i mean anytime there's a competition at crystal palace you just expect to go there and run fast you could be having your worst season to date but a meet at crystal palace could change all of that yeah. So, and it does. It, it takes one race in the season to change your season completely. Yeah. So if you go like like I said to Crystal Palace as a youngster, you know two three weeks before our under twenty championships, you go and run fast. Your confidence and so your attitude going into that championship is so much better than coming here running an average time, thinking God, I need the standard or I need yeah. to beat these guys. These guys have had the races quality at the time, and now it's better now because our Northern Athletics seems to really improve. We're getting a lot of good youngsters as well. There's some decent seniors now. Yeah. So having like, I, I remember doing the Northerns a few weeks ago at the Indoors, running a, I won it in 668, but I had Sam Miller from Preston, who's running yeah. low six sevens, mm. you know? So it was actually good. We've got a bit of a race going on here. We had James Williams yeah. in ours, yeah. who was- running, got injured. Sadly got injured, because I think he was in six seven shape as well. Yeah. Just, was... And I actually saw the race. He literally wasn't far off me at, either so i think he he's been training that. he's been training really well because i trained with him he's yeah. been training really well he's just i think he was devastated about it as you will be but kind of has to just there's not but yeah there's not much you can yeah it, when you, uh, i i didn't know how bad the inj injury looked he didn't seem to be off, come off on a stretcher or anything mm. but um when it comes to hamstrings that's like how, that's like achilles <laughs> you don't want to push us. it yeah. too far yeah exactly <laughs> totally like so, footballers, they take four weeks yeah, off. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's four weeks with good physio. For us, yeah. it's like eight to 12 weeks with no physio. No physio. DP every 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, no. I know, uh, from rulers. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go back to the to the youth side of things for a minute, just to, to see the progression, because we're going to get a lot of, this is going to be good for a lot of the young people that are going to be listening in as well. Um, so, like you said, it's quite demoralizing to, be winning all the time and then you get handed a first defeat and it's not even a marginal defeat it's quite big having to come back from that how did you like what what brought you back because it is quite easy to think oh forget this i ain't doing it no more um i'm not as good as i thought i was what drew you back in because i mean from 2005 to still be doing it at um this age 2019 like what gets you out of bed? What got you out of bed then? Yeah. And what gets you out of bed now? It's knowing that as an athlete and as a person, you know what you're capable of. And, mm. and a lot of it could be a bit of arrogance or it could be determination. It could be a bit of both, but it's what yeah. you know yourself. And I've always believed in myself very highly. And I've had a lot of critics and a lot of people say I haven't. And also that point was proven then. I went out first round of English schools mm -hmm. and I got badly beat. Even the next day, I ended up dropping the baton in the relay by not concentrating. It's a bad weekend. <laughs> it was a bad weekend. And it's like, you know, and at the time, I was, you know, quite young. And I was, to be honest, I was chasing girls as well. 
Fair enough. Young, you know, young girls, Fair as, enough. You know, <laughs> as you do, and you learn, and it's always, obviously, it's a learning and growing up. Yeah. But you don't see that at that age because, as anyone, you want everything now. You want the success now. It's just how you to drive yourself. Yours has been on TV as well because I think English was on TV at some point, and then it changed. Or yeah. was it just being a sport? N- it well, I, it, when it was on Sky Sports, it was the first year I won it. it yeah, I, was actually, I think yeah. Because literally, it was a quite a cool story. When I went to the English schools first in two thousand and five, obviously I went out first round. I said to, I kind of literally sat at the table, mum and dad eating, and I just just reflecting, and I thought can go either way i can think you know what don't want to do this no more but i remember sat at the table and i was like right two years time it's back in birmingham i'm aiming to win next year is going to be tough because i'll be bottom major under 17s so up against some good athletes i'll try and make the final whatever Mm -hmm. it is and i literally said that and then i said right but two years time i'm at my best under 17s i'm aiming to win the english schools okay and i did which event did you do well the following year in 2006 i did the 200 okay and I made the final, yeah. but I came out because the guys were a year older. So I had the likes of, one, it was actually Tony Corrigan at the time. It was a very, okay. very yeah, yeah. Yeah. Liverpool guy, right? Liverpool, yeah. yeah. You might remember yeah. him, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, He was quite a good youngster at the time. Yeah. Um, you had James Alaka, Eugene Iamful. Um, do you remember Chris Tandy was the one as well? Yes, I remember Chris Tandy, because he, he was a good four guy as well. Yeah, very strong lad, yeah. actually. Um, he was in there, they were my, and a few others as well. Yeah. Uh, they were in my 200 final. And I knew it was going to be a big ass, but I thought, if I can make that final and just give it me all, it's yeah. a, again, I'm getting better. And then we went to the first ever UK school games. Yes. And I ended up having a very bad experience. I was actually quite badly bullied because I was with lads younger than me. I was with hanging around with people who I thought were nice people. Yeah. So I was getting quite, um, getting quite badly bullied. And I remember one time uh, some lads would say, oh, do you know mind going up to check my room quickly first because sh- I can't remember we were sharing I can't remember but they sent me to go up check my room for something I went up and I looked out the window and they all ran off left me in the building yeah <sighs> so um, and there was also a couple of girls who I thought my friends from the track were there were just treating me like a loser basically and it was a horrible experience and that was another make or break mm. and that was the probably the fuel that made me I am today realistically because they said right you have to focus now you have to, if you want to want to make it, you have to be selfish, yeah. ignore the crap, ignore the negatives, and be a bit more ruthless with yourself, be more selfish, don't keep yeah. giving up time for people that don't give it to you. Yeah. yeah. So I used that so well as motivation, trained like, typical, trained like Rocky, hard, <laughs> you know, hard work, use that figure all the time, yeah. and then end up winning the national indoors, mm-hmm. beating Antonio Fantino, winning 6-8, yeah. ended up winning the English schools that year, went to the Youth Olympics for the 200 meters, came second behind Ramel Guliev, ended up winning the relay, yeah. and then run, winning the 200 at the national championships a few weeks after. So that that year as a top age in the 17s. Really good year for you. And that was the year that got me to where I am now, is this is what I want to do now for the rest of my career. So that was your first experience of doing like international competitions then. Yes. So dating back all the way to 2007, yeah. that's been your first like, okay, this is I could actually do something here. Yeah. So was that the... Was the Youth Olympics the turning point, or did it come a bit before that where you started to think, it was coming, I may have something It was here. coming more, I'd say, was winning that English schools. Okay. Because that was really the first time I was on Sky Sports. There was a bit of pressure on me, a bit of publicity. Yeah. And mm-hmm. as a 16-year-old, it can go either way how you let it get to you. Yeah. So I took it as more of as, you know, because at the time, Jordan Huggins was running very fast. Yeah. He went off to the World Youths, so he wasn't going to do the 100 metres at the... Um, English schools mm-hmm. and obviously at Tonio Fantino and I were running very similar times over the one and two yeah so, but he ended up doing the 200 so it kind of left the doors open for me to perform in the hundred yeah um 
and I obviously had a few athletes like Joshua Patrick to beat and William Miffy, if you remember yeah. the name, yeah, stuff yeah, like that. <laughs> so there's some good youngsters at the time Enfield, then. That was an Enfield guy, yeah, right? Yeah, they were trained. Um, there was two coaches at the time. I can't remember the names very well. Eddie, but... I know Eddie Stevens. I can never remember. I don't think anyone yeah. actually, unless she was in the group, I don't think anyone ever knew the name of the other guy that used to um, <laughs> coach with them. But I know it was Eddie Stevens because yeah. he had a, a really fantastic group back then. Yeah, very good set of youngsters that yeah. had potential to go very far. It was just how you obviously how you managed them. And um, so I ended up going to uh, winning that English schools. And mm -hmm. that English schools for me was kind of a mess, a kind of a, a good subject for how youngsters can bounce back is whenever you go through bad times or mm -hmm. whenever you're having bad races or anything like that, you know, remember the people that support you, which is always probably your family. And always remember the friends who really back you mm -hmm. because you often find when you don't win races or you don't run well, it's very quiet. You don't yeah. get that support. You get few people saying unlucky or there for you, mm -hmm. but not many. And even to this day, you still get that even now as a senior. You, you yeah. often find on social media how quiet your phone is until you run fast. Yeah. yeah. So as a youngster, I realized in the end who my real friends were and who mm -hmm. weren't. And okay. after that, it kind of propelled me every year to, you know, better performances and getting better and stronger. So I'd obviously championships year in, year out. But yeah. it always, I'd say that period as a youngster is always reminding me of to think, be selfish and yeah. be, you know, I won't say selfish in a disrespectful way, you know, when it comes to your career, try and get the best for you at the same time. Well, track and field, I mean, it's it's a team <clears throat> sport to some extent, but realistically, when you step on that track, it is just you alone. Exactly. So yeah. the selfish side of things, kind of it kind of helps. Because yeah. the minute you come out of those doors and you're on that track and you're looking down that straight, the person on your left and your right, they don't mean anything to you no more apart from you're in my way and I'm going to step over you if I need exactly. to. You know, you can't show respect to the start line. Yeah. You know, yeah. You're, you know, if you go into any race thinking you're going to lose, you'll lose. Yeah. If you, you have one set of doubt, you see in the in the warm up area, if you're watching too much what other athletes are doing, that's yeah, warm ups. The, yeah. yeah. The you get you're getting distracted. You're getting you know. And as a youngster, I learned that quite well. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I also also learned that size doesn't matter because yeah. I wasn't a very big lad as a youngster. I'm maybe not really that big now. Yeah. And obviously, you had some very big youngsters then. So, so the size and power they generate is quite intimidating. Mm -hmm. But when you start beating them, it's yeah. like, well, it doesn't matter. It's all about what you do for you. Okay. And so I used to just, and as a youngster, I think you guys will agree with me as well. When you're a youngster, you have no fear. Yeah. You just don't, agree. you don't care. You just do it, you know, and you see it even now, these youngsters coming through because they have no fear. It's when you start getting older, you start letting those, not, I wouldn't say fears, but I'd say you start overthinking things because you want to get to the next level. Yeah. Or, you know, Would as that you, be because of like sponsors coming um, you've got more social media presence. You've got people watching you now. Would that be like the reason why, well, when you come to, into the seniors, you're kind of thinking, okay, I kind of have to do something here or this is going to happen. Like you always have a precaution for what you're going to do. To a certain extent, I'd say, yeah. I mean, you know, when I made my breakthrough as a senior, it was a wake up call again, because as a junior, you're having a bubble. So you mm. know who you're racing, you know how to beat them. And then obviously you do internationals, very similar. Yeah. It is when you hit seniors, it's right, this is a big step up now. So then that's when you think, what do I have to do to close the gap? Do you yeah. let yourself develop naturally by letting yourself grow and eating properly? Or do you start training differently? Do you start improving on things? And there's you know, there's always things to improve on, you know, yeah. technically, conditioning, mindset, approaching, you know, running your race. So you often forget, like, as a youngster, what worked for you then. You try and yeah. use that what works for you even now. But at the same time, there's always things to change and so on. Yeah. And I think what happens is, is 
people start getting a bit compl- over the top of things and start breaking it down too much. Too much. Instead yeah. of, you know, if you're in the street and you've got a, a Rottweiler chasing you down the street, you're not going to think high knees or jelly <laughs> or anything like that. It's going to get going. <laughs> you know, you're not high, you know, you're just going to run. You know, it's and once run, your yeah. adrenaline's in, you're just going to go. Um, and sometimes it's the factor of just switching off and just letting it happen. You know, let the muscles do its job because that's what you train for. So just let it happen. You know. So uh, we can't go through every single year um obviously because that will take too much time but i'll just I'll, what i'll do is i'm just going to go through your power of 10 and i'm just going to pick out very specific moments that yeah. we can go through yeah, totally, so yeah. obviously you've come up from under 17 you've now gone into um under 20s now this is where it always gets a bit tricky because you don't just have one year above you you've got two because of depending on how the birthday falls you get Gosh. some people that are a third year yeah. in the age group what was that transition like and it wasn't too bad to be honest. Mm-hmm. The only thing I found tough was the following year in 2008, I got injured. Okay. So I missed opportunities there because I went into the indoors a few mm-hmm. months after, obviously, into the 2008 year. And I came second behind Jordan Huggins. Okay. So now he and I were bottom age under the 20s and we're mm-hmm. beating guys the likes of Sobadu, uh, of only Sobadu, James Alaka, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and our under-20s then wasn't quite like the other years when the other years you had like some way Bennett Jackson and Rion Pierre, Harry Kinney's and stuff like them. Yeah. They were quite tough under-20s. We were good, but it was it was manageable. We knew we could we, we could all beat each other. Knew yeah. There, yeah. yeah, so we knew we were all like, we were in the chance then. So that year, 2008, was a difficult one because obviously I was injured, so I, I couldn't quite tell if I could ever really be in the mix then. Um, obviously indoors was, but outdoors, I pulled my hamstring quite early on. Mm. and it messed up my rest of my season so i'm miss hitting and missing a lot of major championships so it's always hard to tell yeah really if i could have been in the mix okay but the following year 2009 yeah um was really then where i could have where i got it right because i ended up winning the national indoors mm-hmm. and then i ended up coming fourth at the european juniors and i was behind christoph the metro running 1004 yeah gruley everyone in one something mm-hmm. and i came fourth by eugene Amphil, who came third in the exact same time as me which Ouch. that's that, got to be tough that at the time it hurt because obviously eugene's very pleased with himself he's dead happy yeah. and i'm just there like damn I've, i don't know and i watched the picture and i dipped by tucking my head into my chest so i thought if i just dipped properly mm, i could have knocked off 100 and that would have been enough you know and originally the race wasn't an issue because i ran the perfect race for me at the time because i yeah. ran a massive personal best it was just yeah. my dip and Again, it was like 2007, it's motivation to go forward again. Yeah. So, because obviously I only had two years as a junior, mm-hmm. the next stepping stone was right now I'm an official, well, I was actually under 23. Yeah. But obviously, but that's a kind of, it counts yeah. as yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a season, yeah. basically. Um, so that 2010 year was a real wake-up call. A year of growing up, because I was 20 then, so obviously I'm yeah. starting to, my life's starting to change, I'm becoming, making more friends, so I'm starting to obviously enjoy a little bit more social side of things, mm-hmm. meet up with friends, few nights out here and there and catch you know so you knew a bit of experience for me in life at the same time and that's when you start thinking like mm, i quite like this kind of lifestyle a little <laughs> bit you know because all you do as you're a part of growing up um and i still had a good season running like wind assisted 10 threes in 2010 10 and running consistent 10 fours but then it's like right okay going in but i was on futures then so it's on futures program and i got kicked off what's the what's the futures program it's I'd... a bit it's a bit like um claim it's a bit like claims. So when you're on futures, you got something for like sixteen hundred pounds through the year. Okay. And whatever you spent it on, which is either fuel, hotels and so on, they claim it back. Okay. So it's a bit like they're on okay. Pickering Fund, but more reliable. 
okay. like that. So you could spend it a lot and you get 600 quid through the year. So it yeah. actually quite helped actually with, you know, sometimes you having to do relay practice in Brunel, which we had to do at times. Yeah. You know, spending all that petrol money, claimed got it all back like that. You know, <laughs> yeah. we got it back quite instantly as well. Um, yeah, so I lost that, but I was able to get on sports aid, mm-hmm. which was a bit of support from there. But the following year, 2011, was the European on 23s. So that was another target to aim for. Um, and again, because Eugene beat me two years earlier, yeah, I wanted that as motivation to think, right, I've got to beat him now. I've got to qualify for the Europeans. And I did. I beat Eugene in the final, came yeah. second at the national champs, running the 10-2-9, which was legal. Just got beat by James Alaka. And end up going to the European 23s and coming third in the 100 meter final. Um, mm-hmm. Again, if my race was mad because I'm so far ahead of 50 meters. Yeah. And then just James just comes past me and pips me on the line again. Wasn't a fault or finish, but it's just the finishing yeah. was not working right because I'm doing something wrong. Okay. <clears throat> um, and then we've got silver in the relay. Then it was a real, because that was it, I was no longer in the 23. Then the following year, Olympic year, 2012 mm-hmm. year, was a bit like, right. I left my coach because I got offered to go to America. Okay. So I got yeah. offered a scholarship to go to Alabama and I failed my SAT exams quite badly, actually. It was quite a funny story. Was it nervous? Was, was, it, was it nervous? No it's, just that... the, no, it's just the questions were ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, it was like, like times P it by itself, you know, stuff like that. It was like letters, dividing letters. Like, I said, I didn't even know this existed. Yeah. You know, just, you know this, is, this, is, this well. is really bad algebra stuff. <laughs> Okay. So, um, yeah, so I think it was off. I've got no chance here. But I was getting looked after by John Regis because he was looking after me as part of Stella, the uh, agency thing. Yeah. So he was helping me write programs. And I was having a really good indoor season. And I nearly beat Dwayne Chambers in the final of the Nationals. So I'm okay. thinking, oh, I'm in for a good year, eh? <laughs> you know. <clears throat> and then the summer didn't quite happen because doing too much on my own and I've got no real plan. You yeah. know, Regis was good, but. He was always based in London and traveling for his job. So I never really got the chance to get proper programs in. So yeah. made the final of this in the, of the 100, but obviously didn't run fast enough for selection. Mm-hmm. And I was a wake up call thinking, right, I'm just going to stay stale in Manchester now. I've got no coach, no setup. I need a group, I need to be around people. So I moved to Bath the following year, mm-hmm. training with uh, Dan Cousins at the time. So I mm-hmm. trained with Danny Talbot and yeah. others then. Um, and obviously I started having success then. So the following year made the uh, World Championships for 2013 in the relay, running 10-1-4. Uh, the following year ended up going to uh, the Commonwealth Games, getting silver in the relay. 2015 had an injury, but I ended up winning the European Team Championships for the 4x1, winning championship record. And then 2016, I ended up um, going to the World Indoors, running 654, getting pipped by James DeSalle at the trials. Yeah, and then go into the World Indoors in Portland, which was a real eye opener because that's okay. my first individual senior championships. Yeah, and you got like Bromel, you got Bracey, you got Powell, you got Kim Collins, you got these oh, world something I'm not quite used to because I've yeah. had that, I've never had the opportunity to race these guys world class often. Yeah, so it was a real, real eye opener. The atmosphere was completely different. It's so different to what I was doing nationally because I never got the chance to yeah. you know race internationally. So then I ended up racing like Powell in the semi final. He's strolling 6.43 yeah. and I'm there like 6.61 trying <laughs> and, that's, and that's and that's again like this is a big gap to close you know so yeah it was a real uh, so those those years I've learned every year there's always ups and downs yeah but you learn to keep going keep grafting and constantly look at the positives of everything okay yeah. sounds good I mean 
<clears throat> already clearly something mm. something's been going right because from 2013 you said to 2016 consistency of make whether it was an individual or a relay slot you've made the team so you were doing things that you needed yeah. to get done at that time so using that how are you going to use those experiences to get you there for the long season we have for 2019 well i think it's making sure i keep myself in keep myself out of my comfort zone mm -hmm. so even though now i'm based in manchester you know i want to be in an environment where i'm up against guys constantly faster than me so i want to be the likes of training with the likes of reese prescott cj ujar mm -hmm. who are based at loughborough harry kinizarite richie kilty danny talbot those boys are the sprinters in loughborough and they're the boys that i want to be around regularly because even though I'm probably not the closest to all of them, mm -hmm. but we're all they're all faster than me, and it's being in an environment where I'm being pushed regularly, regularly, and not just relying on myself to train myself. I want to be in an environment every single day yeah. where you have to be pushed, you have to be ready, or else it will look bad on me. Yeah, I'm getting yeah. smashed out the blocks by guys that I know I'm better than. Mm -hmm. So it's putting myself in a position in the comfort zone where I'm not in my comfort zone. You know, okay. I have to be out of it. You have to be. You know, and even warm weather training, wherever I have, I want to go to America to train with from a not pronounced group, sorry, train with Lance Brahman's group mm -hmm. or anywhere else or base myself in Europe. It's been in environments that you're not comfortable in because mm -hmm. it's you what you know best. So it's putting yourself in a position where you don't know what's best for you because that's when it's like survival. You yeah, have to go for it. Yeah. Fight or flight. Yeah. You have to you have to be you have to be hard mentally. Because you see so many athletes that have their setups, what they're doing. Yeah. And yeah, they might be getting out of it, but you think when it comes to it, when they get to the major championships, they're not being used to that environment because yeah. they've had their plan. So you have, you know, so you meet a lot of athletes that have a structured season, mm -hmm. you know, structured plan. So they say, right, these are the races you're going to do, and you're going to do those races. Some of them might not be like Diamond Leagues, for example, or very tough international races yeah. regularly. And when they all of a sudden do the standard, qualify and then go to the major championships they've not had enough racing these guys so they don't quite know what how to perform yeah so i've always been a big believer of like you know if you go if you're doing race week in week out or every few days do it because you you're constantly traveling yeah. you know you're going to different countries so you're teaching yourself how to survive there you're teaching yourself how to you know look after yourself and be one step ahead of everything you know so for example like you could have a flight delayed yeah. for a competition you're going to so you have it right what have i got to do right i've got to make sure i keep hydrated which is the one thing I've got to keep grinding food i've got to, i've got to wait at the airport there's nothing i can do yeah you know the, the bus ain't going to be here for another four more hours there could be a crash down the road so you have to wait you know things don't always move, run smoothly you get to your hotel like at three in the morning think oh sorry your room's not ready yet we have to wait for another hour things like that so you're teaching yourself to focus every time and i use a lot of a lot of example is the soldiers you know, mm -hmm. like the Marines and stuff like that, you know, how they are constantly on their feet, moving through some horrible, rough areas. Yeah. And I think those guys know how to survive because it makes them who they are. And mm -hmm. I think athletes need to learn the same thing. And I think that's what makes them such... If you watch the Americans, they travel everywhere. They yeah. are traveling everywhere. Yeah, because well, flights everywhere, isn't it? Because it's a big country. <laughs> it's a big exactly. country. Some of them aren't even flights. Um, from 
if you look at the collegiate system, a lot of the time they're taking coach. coach. So they can be yeah. traveling all seven hours on a coach, like yeah. to go to the competition. And I just think to myself, that's crazy. By the time you get there, yeah, yeah you're like, thinking my legs are numb, I'm tired, yeah. uh, everywhere like, is tired. <laughs> we've just traveled seven hours and you want me to go break a championship record. Like how, how is that gonna work? But exactly. they managed to do it. So you're right. All those experiences, they all come into play at some point in time in your career. Yeah. Um, so with that being said, like you said, with um, training with Kilty and putting yourself in those predicaments. So you're based in Manchester, but they train in Loughborough. So how often do you make that journey and how does that impact like your everyday life? So obviously, like I was saying about comfort zone, mm -hmm. financially, I stay in Manchester because it's financially easier for me to stay at home. And mm -hmm. Loughborough is not too far from Manchester. So it's about an hour and 40 away. So I'll end okay. up booking a hotel. So it's a balance of, yep, being out of my comfort zone, mm -hmm. but at the same time, come home, clear my head, do mm -hmm. my own thing. So I try and go to Loughborough every week. And in the winter, I was only going every Monday because okay. the way their system was, I used to do running back-to-back -back Mondays and Tuesdays, but they didn't. They did running Monday, lifting Tuesday. And I already have a weights coach and a system for Manchester. So I don't really see the reason to do my own gym on my own. Yeah, I get to do it here in Manchester. Okay. So that once a week for now in winter should be good. Keep myself up to date with running with guys a bit quicker than me. It was a bit different because uh, Kilty and Danny had been injured mm -hmm. this year. So they were always coming back later on, especially Danny, because he's had such a quite serious ankle injury. So he had to yeah. miss the entire 2018, which must be so frustrating. And he's getting back to his feet now, which is good to see. Um, Kilty obviously was still a bit delayed because he had a Achilles injury that he had to have done and sorted. Yeah. So it was kind of me and Harry, and at the time, um, because of um, Benki, he was looking after us. He was kind of not really making us do a lot together, because he's kind of wanting it one to one to really work on technique. And I'm a bit different thinking. Well, you can actually improve your technique by doing it with other people, mm -hmm. because when you're racing, you've got seven other guys around you. So why not do it as a group? Yeah. You know, but. He had he he has he has his ways and I kind of had to respect that. Because he wants wants to pick out specific stuff and he doesn't want him thinking about other things, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I can understand that, you know. But because obviously I'm coming out and giving up a lot of my time, I thought I want to be pushed because yeah. I'm doing too much on my own, and I don't know if it's working what I'm doing on my own. The only way you can tell if it's working is when you're with people, yeah, with a good yeah. group around you. So eventually we did do block stats together and we we're doing mm -hmm. some runs together. Um, and then by then it got to Christmas, so I thought, right, well, hotels are going to be expensive through Christmas, yeah. and obviously I want to spend some time with family. And by then the indoor season was beginning, and everyone all went off to Tenerife for two, yeah. two three weeks. <laughs> so it kind of stopped there then, okay. really. So you um, didn't go? I haven't been since, because I've been competing in the indoors. And yeah. while they were in Tenerife, I thought, you know what, to match what they're doing in the sun, I'm going to race early try and see if I can get some early races in and mm -hmm. try and match doing what I've been doing in my own race-wise to get that push yeah. while they're doing fast quality sessions in the sun together. Okay. And it seems to have, it was working quite well. Yeah. And then obviously doing too much on my own is missing me that spark because I've not been able to push onto the six fives like I had done in the past. Yeah. Doing too much on my own still, he's only made me a six six runner this year. Okay. And I think a lot of athletes, you know, do a lot on their own. And I think that's why I was kind of hoping we'd all do more together. So yeah. every session, because I don't believe that you have to have every athlete doing individual programs all the time. Yeah. You know, if if someone wants to get faster, get them as a group and get them faster, get them that competitive edge. Again, out of their comfort zone, don't let them do blocks on their own. Get yeah. four guys doing them. Do like, right, there you go, you got to do 10 block starts to 40 meters. 
you five, let's do it. You know, each rep, you, you've done the sixth one, you've got four more to do, you're getting tired, but the mentality's right. Survival mode now, like the soldiers yeah. I was saying, let's go again, and you go again and again. You know, and I, I've noticed how Jonas does that really well mm-hmm. with his group. Yeah. They do that really well. I've watched him making his athletes do drills together, they do strides together, they do sprints together, they even mm-hmm. lift together. So I even seen Reese and CJ doing power cleans next to each other, and you can almost tell it's a bit competitive because it's constantly he's bringing yeah. that American mentality like, oh, he's doing better than you. Oh, seeing there, he's got a bit of a better push than you there, you know. And yeah. one of the others like, I'm not having this. Put, <laughs> put another ten each side, you know. Yeah. And that mentality of going again, mm-hmm. and I think that's what it is: is that he's, you know, with these athletes because they're so in their comfort zone, doing the things their way. Jonas doesn't for them; he puts them out of the comfort zone. So like, yeah. if you're tired, you think, you know what? very tired right your sessions there is this this and this you're all doing it together and you're like god i've got to go again yeah you know, i've got to beat him again today and that's why they run so fast because they're constantly competitive every session okay and i find that really i really like that especially how you know it is like survival because you know you can't have it easy every day because yeah. that's you're not going to prove you're not going to move on are you you know you have to learn anything it. from it do you no exactly yeah. you're just going to you're just going to stay up so when you're yeah, out when you're, is when you're running in races you're not running as fast as you want it's like oh why am i not running as fast i've been doing this been doing that been doing this but who have you been doing it with yeah you know time gates yeah <laughs> you know and you can't you can't you know you talk about that we were saying like you know about being individual sport i get that but yeah you are you're not a team you're kind of you're a pack but yeah. as a mental thing, right, I have to do what I can to beat him every time. You know, you work, you do what you need to do as a group, but your main goal is I'm going to beat him. I'm going to beat him, beat you, this and that. And I think as an athlete, not enough athletes do enough of that. Yeah. And especially now, I think they're too smooth, trying to be feeling too good, too technical. And sometimes it's just run, just man up and get on with it. You understand? Could that line. be a coaching thing as well? Because obviously some coaches doesn't want, like, let's say I have an athlete that runs... 10-5 you have a similar athlete and they're constantly in the same competitions would that be okay i want to beat you as a coach and all my athletes to do better which is why they don't leave or well they don't try and get together because i know a lot of people in the north they don't really have coaches like a lot of people your standard anyway they don't really have the coaches in enough to help them through the next level mm-hmm. like and a lot of people are going to london now and is that going to become a thing? Is that going to be the norm now? Well, you're decent now. Unis, Loughborough, Brunel. Um, <laughs> it's a good question, that. Um, I hope not, if you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, I hope they don't become like that because I don't think any athlete should fear, feel like they don't belong in facilities due to what times they run, you know? Yeah. You, we all start from somewhere, you know, and if that athlete believes the only way they're going to get better is I'm moving, moving to Loughborough or to Brunel mm-hmm. or to Lee Valley, no mm-hmm. athlete should be stopped to do that. You know, if I said to myself, like, look, this outdoors hasn't gone to plan, it's Olympic year next year, I'm going to move to Loughborough and train full-time with Jonas or Benke, yeah. I shouldn't feel like I'm not good enough to go there. Yeah. You know, every, you know, and I'm, I always say, like, you know, if you want to come do sessions with me, for example, ask and we'll work something out because you, each, you learn new things every day. You can never stop learning. And I think with having that mentality of, you know, come to Loughborough, you know, jump in with some sessions because I've seen how big now Jonas's group is. He has separate groups. There's a second group I see early in the morning. Mm-hmm. There's a good 15, 20 of them. You know, athletes. Yeah, like 6, 30, yeah. yeah. And some of them I've not seen before, mm-hmm. but they want to make it and they want to 
get out of their comfort zone. They want to go to the best coach they think's best for them. Mm-hmm. And I see the improvements they do there. You know, they were willing to get there seven in the morning yeah. to make it happen. I think I respect them for that. Not many, you know, <laughs> the Jamaicans do that. They train at six in the morning because, you know, they get so hot for them in the day. Yeah. Let's get there for six o'clock. But they're there for hours training nonstop. I think mentally, yeah. it's better training in the morning as well. Like, personally, I prefer training in the morning. Like, I'll wake up in the morning, like, get over and done with. Yeah. In the evening, like, everything has happened through the day. You're thinking, what you're going to do at night? And it's just it's too much, I think. Yeah. I think in the morning, I prefer love the morning sessions but as a group i like the evening sessions yeah. because everyone is free at that point everyone is well either finished work and comes in straight away mm. like that's another thing for you um because you know if you're a full-time athlete but at the same time not <laughs> yeah. so what do you do outside of athletics you know because are you currently sponsored no i have no sponsors of anything which is hard because I feel like I should be getting something to be fair yeah. for, like, yeah, for, you know, for the times you're and running. I've tried, yeah. and, I've, and I've been around for many years. I used to get a bit of kit when I was younger and that's it. I've never had a signed contract of so-and-so like other athletes have. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest though, because I'm mixing my training around a lot, going to Loughborough. So when I first moved back, I used to go to Loughborough every week to every two weeks. I'd be there for a couple of days. So I train there for a few days in the day. Yeah. But when I'm back home in Spot City, because my dad's my full-time coach pretty much, yeah. I train in the evenings. So a lot of the times I used to um, go to my old secondary school and volunteer help okay. teach a bit there. Yeah. But it just got to the point where my, it was affecting too much of my training because I was on my feet doing a lot of cross country running around standing at positions for them to make sure they don't go straight you know thinking, no, mate, you got to turn left mate you got to yeah. like, carry on running up the hill yeah like, oh, just let them do it you know um and i it, it was just getting to the point where that wasn't something i didn't want to go down the road teaching wasn't for me and it was just too much taken up in the day because i was too tired for training in the evening yeah. so the way i see it is that when athletes usually often train in the morning they train like a good good few hours for the rest of the day, they just relax yeah. and just rest. So I try and replicate that when I'm training in the evening. So if I've trained late in the evening, like at Sports City, I don't get home until sometimes like after nine o'clock. Yeah. I have my tea, stretch, then try and get to bed. So the rest of the day, I'm like, right, I've got the morning just to go to the shops, get some shopping done for my parents. But the rest of the day, I will just sit and relax. Yeah. Netflix and watch TV. <laughs> okay. It might, it might sound a bit daft, but... The way I'm seeing it is that I'm trying to get recovery in from the night before because mm, yeah. I've got to go again in the evening. So I've, sometimes I'd have a gym session, I'd get back till nine o'clock, recover, and I think, right, I've got to do blocks and then 300s. So I've got to be fresh for that or else I'll just be too tired and I won't go to plan. And uh, because obviously my dad coaches me, yeah, I have to wait for him to come from work because he works in Chesterfield and it takes him a good hour and a half to... Back yeah, down there. yeah. Has your dad always coached you? No, he's... He only started coaching me properly was this last few years. Okay. He's obviously, him and my mum have been with me everywhere. They've yeah. been so supportive. So they've, every, literally every race I'll go to in the UK, they'll always be there. Mm-hmm. Obviously not everyone's in Europe, but you know, and I usually started off with a coach called, when I moved to Sprint, so the lady called Linda. Mm-hmm. And then after about two years of her, I moved to John Smith, based in yeah. Manchester. Okay. And he was my coach for about seven years. Good junior coach, got me to a very good, you know, junior standard, especially for what I've accomplished as those. Yeah. And then I left after because it was just getting stale. I was, wasn't going to move on the next level. Okay. So obviously I had my dad for the year and John Regis helping out that year. Then I yeah. went to Bath to train with Dan Cousins and all them. Mm. But I, and then I left and then I moved back to where I tried to get with Benke as my full-time coach. Yeah. But British Athletics didn't let it because the way they saw it was in order for you to have a full-time coach with Benke, 
you have to move. And I, at the time, couldn't financially do it. Okay. Know? So I said, okay, so I won't, I won't have you as my full-time coach, but I will come down when I can and okay. do sessions. So you made it work for you? Yeah, and because the year I won the, the senior 60 meters, I, they were doing back-to-back sessions Mondays and Tuesdays. So they were doing sprints and upright runs on Mondays. And then Tuesdays, they were doing fast like 150s as a mm. group. And I thought, this is perfect back-to-back running. I'll do this every week. Mm-hmm. And that's a shame they haven't done that this year. Okay. Which is a real shame. Because they did that then, and I was doing it every week. And then I'd come back, and I'd have James Gladden, who was a uh, good 200 meter runner, and yeah. a hurdler from yeah. Warrington, training with me here. Yeah. So I always had someone to train with. So I was always mm-hmm. having to push myself. Yeah. Um, where this year has been a bit different, because James has moved back to Bath, yeah. and everyone in Loughborough has been injured. So it's been, it's been a bit hit and miss this year. Because I felt okay. physically, winter training was the best preparation ever. Felt yeah. so good, so healthy, felt fast. But I could just tell, coming out the blocks, there's not a spark there. Yeah. Because I just have no one to push me. So, seeing as your dad is your coach, when the session's not going so well, who who takes the who takes the brunt of that? We kind of both do. We've had to be careful with having... We, we sometimes hear stories of how athletes with the dads and parents coaching athlete doesn't mm-hmm. always work yeah you know they, they do fall out we've actually got quite a good working relationship because he knows how to come across with it well yeah and i take responsibility very well mm-hmm. you know sometimes i do want to just say no that was actually all right you know yeah. as, as, as all as you all do yeah but he's seeing the same things that mm-hmm. other coaches would see and i think well if he's saying the same thing as a coach would you won't answer back to a coach like that. Yeah. yeah. So why would you answer back to your own dad? And he's if he's saying like, look, Andrew, your arm's flicking, try and keep your arm straighter or your elbow bent so it's not flicking out. Okay, mm-hmm. no problem. And the second rep, I'll do it and be like, ah, I can feel it. Notice the yeah. difference. He was right, you know. And sometimes I'll just say, yeah, that 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 rep was rubbish. And he's like, really? Why, why that? And I was like, okay, I just did this wrong, did that wrong. Mm. So the communication is actually quite good, and he doesn't interfere too much because even though I'm 28 and can look after myself yeah so he knows what to say then step back let okay. me do my thing because i'm so experienced i know how to approach my race he's just there if i need anything okay. just keeps it simple keeps the mechanics saying that andy your hips are dropping keep your hips up or just relax your jaw a bit things like that you know so is he like like a watchful eye or like he will tailor your sessions and and you don't have any say in that or you sit down together and go through the sessions we, like we, yeah. what type of what type of coach is he to he's you? probably more like you say you sit down and we discuss what i because I, I kind of know what i need to do anyway because yeah. i've had a lot of hundreds and hundreds of programs from other coaches mm-hmm. and i try and match the program similar to when i go to loughborough benke because mm-hmm. i don't want to chop and change you don't yeah. have a chance to yeah. adapt then um so we sit down about these are what benke's doing so mm-hmm. we'll do this this and this of course when we go down with them but when we come back Let's do this, this, and that for that reason, because of this reason. And then he will agree, and then we'll fill it out. I have an S&C coach that will look after me, S&C and fundamentals and so on like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of created a quite a, a funny network, you could say. So yeah. my main coach is my dad, uh, Michael Carolan, who's my other coach, who looks after my S&C, the drills, some of the sessions even when my dad can't make it. He can look after all the fundamentals when I'm based in Manchester. Yeah. Um, I have an osteo who, funnily enough, is based in Bath. Mm-hmm. But I've, I obviously met him in Bath when I was there. Yeah. So he always comes to races when I'm at them. And okay. Obviously I have my yeah. own people I see here. And obviously I have Benke that looks after me when I come to Loughborough. And he has yeah. input on, on what he's doing with his group. And yeah. says, maybe you, Andy, if you want to do this on this day, this is what you should do. So it's just a lot of discussions like that. It's not too complex because yeah. too much network and too much input can really 
you know it's just making work you all yeah it can go in the wrong direction it's all going in the right direction of where your outcome is where you want to be so having benki with the right input for technical and Mm -hmm. giving me a group to run with is kind of what i need so i can approach the first session of the week monday morning right blocks kilty harry danny and hopefully recent cj blocks and upright running first day session of the week let's go and then hopefully the same again on tuesday thursday when i come back so okay this is what we did monday and tuesday this is what we did in the gym on wednesday back in manchester thursday let's do blocks again and then let's do some 250s okay you know so we can have a one-on-one session stuff like that and it worked really well it actually you know, I had a really good really good first year back in 2017 mm-hmm. um, and had a quite a good summer actually last year especially had a really good england champs and this indoors was going well just hasn't quite moved on to the next level which is yeah. probably signs of not getting enough of being in the groups like that okay so yeah. coming on to that well this year's indoor now mm. what did you think of the trials it was a weird one it was a weird trials it wasn't it was like hard to explain i approached it as all championships um feeling good confident you know one of the favorites to win and obviously uh confidence gonna win so i had an okay first round as you do you just get through the first yeah. round the semi-final was stacked because mm-hmm. i had yeah. oj de burn richard kilty and our confidence lost from running well so i thought this is going to be a pressured semi-final so i have to approach this like a final ran okay just got beat by oj but was able mm-hmm. to beat kilty and confidence and then the final was a bit frustrating because i got put in lane eight even though i beat yeah. kilty he ended oh. up having lane two so i was thinking why has he got a better <laughs> lane than me when i beat him in the semi <laughs> so we actually did appeal saying like why have i got lane eight when i was one of the fastest qualifiers yeah and it's something like because i was this the second slowest of second place and i'm like you're just making up words now yeah. <laughs> you know so you know we said okay right we're in lane eight so this is where you can concentrate try and run your own race and yeah. do your thing and i wasn't starting great that day like my starts were good in the warm-up mm-hmm. but i was fine i was just finding it a bit difficult to manage those blocks there were different blocks they curl so you don't get your full foot properly Flat, on. Yeah. and yeah. the holes are different so you haven't you, your foot measurements are not quite right yeah but obviously it wasn't the excuse it was just more something that i was trying to just figure out how to match my way of starting yeah and um and in the final obviously just missed out by a medal by like 100 for 200 so it wasn't too a disaster yeah but i thought i should have won that i'm good enough to win that i've been in great shape I've been showing signs that something's coming i've had people say never seen you look so good mm-hmm. didn't happen so i've kind of put it down as to an off day you know, some days you wake up thinking, you know what, I'm not feeling quite as fast and fresh as I wanted to. Yeah. But human at the end of the day. That's fair enough. And, yeah. uh, you know, well done to the first three. You know, Dom, um, Adam, and uh, the young lad, Azu. Yeah. yeah. Dom. You know, three faces that probably nobody expected to medal. Yeah. People probably thought it was going to be me, OJ, and Kilty fighting for the yeah. top three, you know. And even I did. You know? Even when the results came out, because I was at work, I, I'm sure it was like, one of the lads that texted me in the group chat and literally just said, Oh, have you seen the times? And I was like, no. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and then I just came up. Yeah, and I was like, Whoa, it, was, like... it was a really weird one. Like we could, like we were speaking about it after me, OJ, confidence, and Kilty actually in the um, getting our kit after, and we were just like, what happened there? Mm. Like we were feel- oh, all feeling good, all yeah. confident, and it's just like, I don't know, just one of those days where, and it, it wasn't like me that was just having an off day and everyone was flying. It was like, like, yeah, and it's hard to explain what happened. It was. You know, just one of those things where it just didn't click. Just today, yeah, yeah. It's like I just, <laughs> just couldn't get out. Today. I just couldn't get out of second gear, basically. Yeah. How does it feel being on the other side of the coin? Because as a junior, 
you've had that experience where you've gone and beaten some of the guys that were expected to win and now you're on the other side of that fence where you've got some where you've got the youngers now coming up and yeah. handing you that defeat like yeah. what how does that feel now being on that side and um, pushing forward do you know what it's not too bad because it's life it's yeah. you shrug it off you think you know what it wasn't a disaster mm-hmm. just those guys nailed it and they beat you fair and square yeah. i've i've never been someone to make excuses i've always been pretty honest and just say okay. it didn't happen on the day don't know why but that's when you go back to the drawing board and you yeah. start figuring it out and that's when you start thinking i thought it's because i'm doing too much on my own for example mm-hmm. so it's a good realistic answer that's when you think right so what do i have to do now to make a good summer happen it's right i think the training's good let's just need to do more with people, with people. faster so maybe so i think I think what's going to be happening is I'm going to base myself again a lot more on Loughborough, mm-hmm. but Kilty and I are going to be doing a lot together. So I'm actually going to be going to Middlesbrough to train okay. with him a lot there. And I think he's going to try. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, he's going to probably try and come down to Manchester. It's difficult because he's got a family now, so it's yeah. difficult for him yeah. to give us a totally respect. But I've got quite a bit of free time. Said to him, so look, I'll come to Middlesbrough. You know, I need mm. training partners. And we're not that far away. You know, you need someone just as fast. Let's link up. And he, he's very keen about it actually. Mm. You know, so. Things like that. And even he said the same thing I did is when he started, because he's just as good a starter as I am, mm. you just couldn't get going. He's like, you, you react okay, the first two steps are fine. The transition, hold on, I'm just not moving. Yeah. You know, it's like I've just hit it's a brick wall. Yeah. It's like that takes it after 10 meters, yeah. you know. <laughs> and I'm saying the same and I'm yeah. saying the same things. Like, I just don't know what was going on. So but yeah, it was and don't get me wrong, like we were saying earlier, like as a youngster, you have no fear. Yeah. So, like, Azu, Adam Thomas, and Dom Ashmore went in with no fear. They had nothing to prove. They took yeah. advantage of it. Yeah. Didn't they? yeah so they just took yeah. on with it and they nailed it brilliantly. You know, and, there's, and that Azu is what seventeen. He's around six six. Yeah. Fantastic yes. talent. You know, fantastic, and he's, he looks like he's got a lot of growing to do. You know, At seventeen. I mean, yeah, he's not even hit <laughs> it's his fantastic. Peak yet, so yeah. that's definitely he's definitely going to be a name to watch in the summer, especially like for his age group and potentially some of the older age groups as well. Yeah. So and as long as they don't pressure him too much, that's the one thing that this country needs to be careful of. Is oh, we've got a new youngster. Let's give it all to him. So no, no, let him develop. Let him take his time. It's all long term. At the end of the day. Well, it's funny that you said. I wanted to touch on this point because we actually had this um, in the first podcast when we interviewed um, OJ. We had the same conversation of how Britain gets carried away with pushing youngsters, whether it, um, whether it's athletics, football, cricket, wherever it is. It's like oh, we've got a new youngster. Bam. We're just going to jump on them. Do you think British athletics do it too much? Where it's like, okay, yeah, this kid's doing all right. But now all of a sudden he's the next big thing and his name's everywhere. And like they give him all this praise on, on BBC and stuff like that. Like It's too much, yeah. And I think I agree with you. I think it's it's too much, yeah, for my opinion. And mm-hmm. what it is is because, you know, these youngsters, all of a sudden then they don't, they're getting everything given to them and mm-hmm. they don't know really how to handle it. They're almost becoming like semi-famous. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, yeah. at this level, they're going to be walking the red carpet on Hollywood, you know, thinking, <laughs> you know, and it's like, you know, as a youngster, it's so important that they don't realize that you've got to give them time because nobody really remembers what you do as a youngster. It's mm-hmm. all using yeah. all the youngster stuff, like the championships, like I went through, it's all giving up to be a good senior. Yeah. That's what it's about. You see, Americans do the same. They hammer these youngsters in the collegiate system. Mm-hmm. So you're getting these names coming through, and you hear from them for a couple of years, and then they just vanish. Yeah. They hammer them, you know. And there's a few names I could mention, um, but 
you know, I don't know. They might come back, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and I think with the British, it's a similar thing where, you know, they're giving everything so much as a youngster. So they're, they're around running fast for a couple of years. And then when they stop progressing, mm-hmm. they don't know how to handle it because they're not used to setbacks because they're yeah. used to having everything their way as a youngster. So when reality starts hitting them, they're getting losing races, yeah. races that they thought they're winning. Athletes who they used to beat are starting beating them more often now and comfortably as well. Yeah, they don't know how to handle it. They're not making finals. Oh, hold on! I used to make. I made this two years ago and someone like this, and the pressure starts getting to them, you know. And youngsters, because they because they are some youngsters are really developers. So some are taller, more yeah. mature, yeah. and Stronger. bigger. Yeah, and faster. So they're obviously going to have an advantage over someone who's a late developer. Yeah. And so when they hit 19, 20, they look 28, some of them, you know, <laughs> which is true because obviously you can we'll see... say it, no names on that one. But it's true though, like how much more mature they look and everything. And the advantage yeah. then is that because they stopped growing at a young age, it's only fine marginal gains for them to improve. But they, some of them don't know how that because they haven't got the sub- team of staff around them to help them with that 1% better. Yeah. Where I've always been a little bit of a late developer, you know, okay. I've always felt like I'm getting that a little bit better late on in my career. So I've kind of learned the hard way how to improve, mm-hmm. but I've come out a better senior for it, where it's teaching the youngsters just to not pressure them, let them build, let them follow their own path. The youngsters, yeah, yeah, don't take over too much of their lifestyle and career because that's when it can really start messing with them. And you've okay. s- we've seen it with them, you know, youngsters who thought it would be the next best thing, they're not at the same level anymore because they're just giving them everything too much too soon. Yeah. You know, they're giving them hype, they're giving them money, they're giving them sponsors, they've had adverts, they're, you know, they get into these things and thinking, yeah, but eight, he's 18, 19, yeah. you know, give him time. He might not be around two, three years time, and some of them are not around now, because they hammer it's them. It's the business side, yeah. isn't it, as well, because the business side, they're getting money straight away, they get what they want from exactly. the athlete. And the second it does come and to money, that changes everything. Yeah. You know, some of them get these ridiculous contracts at a young age, yeah. and then they're not performing to that ability, so they'll cut them off. That's cut them off. Because at the end of the day, sponsors want to know if you're going to, if your fan money. Yeah, when you get cut, yeah. cut off, you're kind of thinking, well. Yeah, it's like we're paying you, <laughs> we're paying you to pay, paying you to do a job at a high world-class level. You're not doing yeah. that. Give it to someone else. He's, he's performing this other lad coming through. And it's, that's how tough athletics is. You have to give these youngsters time to develop, I'd say. Later, the better. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is another question because you see a lot of them go to uni, some don't, mm. um, which is fair. You know, it's their decision at the end of the day. In the past three weeks, there's been the British trials, there's been the Birmingham Muller Games, there's Lee Valley one, and then there's been box. You know, it's been like basically February is always packed with events. Mm. How do you select which one to go to? Well, a lot of it you want it's. You know, after the trials, I was on the waiting list for Birmingham. So I had a lot, a wait, quite a way down. And I thought, you know what? Knowing my luck, I will get called last minute for Birmingham, but I'll be in the outside lane of a tough heat. And mm-hmm. it's not as much as trying to get the experience of racing seniors, it's trying to get the qualifying standard for the, mm-hmm. Europeans, for the Europeans. Because it was looking like at that, at, as it was going into the Europeans, nobody was going to get it. Mm-hmm. So I thought, right, Dwayne's racing in Lee, Lee Valley. John Tugari, who's ran a 6 6, is racing at Lee Valley and it's guaranteed two races, I'll do Lee Valley. So that decision is basically based on what works for you. So, and obviously early on we were talking about comfort zone races and, Mm -hmm. you know, getting yourself in an environment where, you know, so on. But when it comes to other situations where you need standards or you need to be in a a race where you think, you know what, the pressure's kind of off here for Mm -hmm. me to do my own thing just for this one off. Yeah. 
Birmingham wasn't the right choice for that because I think Lee Valley was because my first race I ran six seven zero. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have qualified for the final in Birmingham Grand Prix, mm-hmm. but I had a second race to get it right, mm-hmm. and obviously I had a, there was a false start in that race and they didn't call yeah. us back. Yeah. So I ended up running six sixty four. When I think I could have run the standard then because I, yeah. I was on it then. Um, and funny enough, we we peeled, got the third race, and obviously there wasn't much break between the second race and the third race. So I only ran a six sixty six. But again, it was the opportunity to, to get it right. Yeah. And with Birmingham, you can't. You only got can't, one chance. Yeah. Because yeah. you know? you're going into the you're going in the weekend after the trials, knackered. Yeah. Tired. Yeah. You've had you've had three races intense. Your adrenaline's massive, and you always have a dip. The week after yeah. the championships. Because you've got time to recover or no. anything. You kind of like the week coming to it, coming back into it because you're thinking, oh, well, I've come to this weekend. What do I have to do to get ready yeah. for this weekend again? Exactly. And, you know, and these internationals, they haven't had the national, their nationals the weekend before. So yeah. they're coming in quite fresh. So they always run fast. So we had, you know, Reese Prescott didn't do the nationals. Mm-hmm. But, you yeah. know, so he was fresh to go in. To Birmingham and obviously he ran well in the heat and final. Yeah, you know you had Richard Kilty who hadn't run much faster than he did for the start of the season and obviously missed out in selection. I mean, but at the same time he was probably still tired from having three races from the nationals in his legs. Or else, if the Birmingham was two weeks after, mm-hmm. might have run faster because yeah. he still had it in his legs. Yeah. And uh, it's just emotionally as well. And I think you are just trying to pick and choose the right races for you. You know, and especially around the February one when, you know. When you're trying to find races in January to do to get yourself ready, because our trials were quite early, like 9th and 10th of Feb. Mm. Not many races abroad going on in January. They're yeah. all in February. They're all quite crammed. So you think, I don't want to race too close to the championship. I want to be fresh for that. Yeah. So it's trying to pick and choose the right choice. And February can be so congested, really congested. And then after the. After, <laughs> you know what it and is, then after, and after, then after the Birmingham Grand Prix, if you want to do another race for your major champs at like the Worlds or Europeans, there's none. So, so you're like, okay, just, you're giving us everything in two weeks and nothing after. You know? Is that a is that a worldwide thing that you think needs to change, or a British athletics thing where they need to spread out the competitions a bit more? I think when it comes to worldwide, is out of our control. Yeah, because that's what the races they set. Yeah, but I think, I think when it comes to like the world, if you, if for example we're having a European indoors or world indoors, they're often in like the first of March. Mm. So. I don't really see any reason to have like our Birmingham Grand Prix earlier or trials even later or whatever. Mm. You know, I don't see any harm. And last year's world, last year was a bit interesting because we had the trials two weeks before the World Indoors, so we had the trials in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Then the following week was Glasgow Grand Prix, yeah. and mm-hmm. then the following week was World Indoors. Now that's a, now that's a bit of an interesting one to argue against because having a, like a Grand Prix the weekend before major championships. It can either go either way. Where if you're mm-hmm. an international, you can use that to warm you up for the worlds. Yeah. Or you know, if you, if you think you know what, I've just qualified for uh, worlds, I need more races. But for us, it was a bit different because you know we got selected the day after the nationals. Yeah. And for us to say right, I've had three races already, I've run fast. I don't want to do Glasgow because it's the weekend before the worlds. Yeah. So it's kind of an awkward argument to suggest that because. It depending on when dates are to suit for your major championships. Now I'd say do Birmingham or Glasgow Grand Prix the week after if you haven't qualified yeah. for you know for the, the major champs. Or do them if you have to get the standard, for example. Yeah. So it's I really don't know. I don't think they have much choice depending on when their major champs is. Because 
if they had to have them nationals like end of Jan, yeah, they've only got a month then till end of Feb. Yeah. So they have to find a congested races then. Because so. I find it strange. It's like without. So if we compare it to outdoors, mm. you've got your you've got a few open meetings up in say the end of March, early April. Then you start going into like Southern Athletics League and stuff like that. But beginning of May, you have your counties. Then Loughborough down the line, you get Loughborough International. Yeah. Just kind of like the door open. Yeah. <laughs> then you get your. Yeah. Um, regional so south or north or midlands hmm. but in indoors it's like yeah cool january started and south of england and north north england champs are the first week in yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah it's... but that's the reverse of what i'm trying to do because that's a good competition to wake myself up for trials yeah so do you think they should swap because i know like with essex essex is generally the same weekend as um senior trials and i'm looking at that and think, thinking to myself put essex at the beginning of january in that same slot that you've got um south of england then move south of england towards the end and then you've got a little gap there where you can either have a break or then slot in um lee valley open yeah. or birmingham city games stuff like that and it's just like okay that for me that works out a lot better because that's the transition in in the stages of your competition because you could say right trials is my uh, my county trials is like a training session but just a semi-competitive one then i have northerns where most people are going to turn up so i'll do this one and then i've got trials so by then if you've not done any international race at least you can say to yourself all right i've had this i feel somewhat ready is that something you feel like um, British athletes could potentially do and should do? I so think, it mirrors the outdoors? Yeah, or? I think they could, you know. Um, but I think the way they see it is because obviously indoors is not quite as important as mm. outdoors. I don't think they're too fussed how it goes. Because yeah. Yeah. you often find with athletes, they don't do full indoors. So when yeah. they do these set these comps up to evolve around the nationals, because they have to give it time for, you know, obviously when the selection, they have it and then the Birmingham Grand Prix there's a second chance then they only have two weeks then to the majors Yeah, it's hard to say really you know I think what you said for the summer was perfect but I think for indoors it's always a bit different because yeah. of when they have to set the championships because then there's one weather training as well yeah. which comes into it exactly you know when you have the like you know you don't I think it's to do with the time frame depending on when everyone goes away in January to mm -hmm. our to our major championship which is in usually start of March Yeah, where for the summer you literally do have April till July so you have yeah. such a big gap and I think when it comes to indoors, they're trying to cram it in as much as possible. The comps they've got set has to be here, has to be there, has to be here. Mm -hmm. For outdoors, I think they can spread it out more. I think it's difficult to say really, because you get told quite early on anyway, what, what dates you're going to be racing, mm -hmm. what the standard is and everything. So sometimes for indoors, you don't have much choice. And yeah. I think for indoors, you can you can just get away with having a few races quite close to the majors, because it's mm. only 60 meters. Yeah. But for outdoors, hundreds and two hundreds and even four hundreds it's a completely different thing well okay. last, last year was pretty close wasn't it like last year we had i think three weeks on the bounce of major like events i can't remember what it is i think it was the northerns at start of june and then you moved on and it was the trials or the premium um, no the love Bra international was a week before that then you had the northerns and then you had the trials and then after that you had something else immediately after yeah like, maybe you had like one week yeah like, like mm -hmm. one week rest in between that little um that month of june pretty much and 
obviously this year is gonna be a, a bit different because we're not doing the world champs a bit later <laughs> which is i think that's a lot better for everyone well, isn't i think it? everyone's a bit hit and miss about this year because regardless of the world champs are in october this year and the nationals are like end of august for the first time all the diamond leagues are still the same time yeah everything is still at the same really so yeah. so you're gonna ask peak so your people are basically gonna have to do the the uh, newcastle street games as a preparation <laughs> for the world champs at this rate because i don't think much is going to change that's the problem <laughs> you know hey it's a, di- it's it's a just, different type of competition you know, but it could be useful you know figured, you know what i'll do 150 before i go do the 100 of the world champs why not a bit of a speed and jersey like but they might have the, yeah well. they, might, they might not have any choice because of how everything's set up and i think literally the last set races of the season is the world champs so I think this year is going to be very different to mm. other years. I think people are going to try and approach it the same as possible, but I wonder if they're going to have to change things differently due to when the world champs are. That must that must be difficult going yeah. forward though, because if those champs are so late, generally when they are is when you guys are taking your off season. So going mm. forward, it's like okay, well, if I'm competing here, but then I normally start training at this point. For the following year, how do you then work that out? Because it's like, do you just say, all right, cool, I'm going to take a week off and I'm just going to live in the massage, in the massage room <laughs> yeah. and then start training again? Or are you going to have to take an extended time off, but then give yourself short amount of time to prepare yourself for outdoors? I think as well, that's a good question because obviously the Olympics are quite early next year. So mm. I think they're like July, which yeah. is earlier than usual. Yeah. So realistically, from the world champs to the Olympics, you've only got about what, nine months. So yeah. you've not got really full 12 month preparation. So... Obviously, if I qualify for Worlds, yeah. I would probably have, depending on when it finishes, I think it finished like early October, something mm-hmm. like that. So I'll probably have the rest of October off and start November. Yeah. So like a lot of Americans start November. And then I'd obviously probably still approach the indoors as normal, try and okay. go for indoors. Um, and then just train smartly then and think, well, the work is done from this year. And yeah. the work is, and it's just how you train. So as you get older, you'd be surprised how much years and years of work you've done the legs. So you don't necessarily have to feel like I've got to get another month of 300s in the legs. Think, well, I've kind yeah. of done a lot of 300s. Yeah. If anything, racing itself actually gets you stronger. So yeah. if I said, you know what? Okay, so trials will probably be around early June, mid-June. So I'm probably going to do for all of April, I'll race, but just do 200s. Hmm. So you're still racing with a bit of endurance in the legs. So you're, you're still keeping snappy, you're still keeping fresh, but at the yeah. same time, you're racing still. So you're still in that feeling and then you can start doing the 100 meter races if you're prepping for that and then you actually start thinking you know what i could keep going here because yeah you almost want to use this year for such a long year to use for next year and yeah it could work perfectly actually if you get this year right you know i think anyway so even though you've got such a long season you're still planning to do the indoor season next yeah. year so that's a plan <laughs> yeah have you ever missed an indoor season yeah, yeah. 2014 yeah. and 15 i missed yeah. most of them because of two injuries okay yeah the way i see it is that some people don't like doing indoors for the sake of it but i think well the olympics and world champs are hard mm-hmm. you know and it's not easy to medal because you don't know who's going to come out of nowhere but indoors is an opportunity it's still like a season mm-hmm. so take on board i say because you know when i hear athletes are missing the indoor season to get ready for the summer i think well you might as well either do the indoors properly or yeah. don't do them you know don't just do one or two races mm-hmm. go back into your yeah training program. you're going back to because you're going back to a couple of weeks of so you obviously you still from january you're doing all your speed work and endurance work and then you think you know what we're gonna have a little break from speed from the endurance side we'll do a bit of speed yeah and then you think well you've had two races now why don't you just put just do another two more yeah you know if you're running fast do it go and race more 
because you've you'd be surprised how much time you have it takes a good month or six weeks to get it all back yeah so when i hear people just having a shot indoors i'm like well, just do a long point? one. what's the point yeah just do a long one or don't do it okay yeah so obviously indoors is quite short outdoors is much longer season but on a personal preference which do you prefer do you prefer the indoors or do you prefer outdoors it's a good question you know that and yeah. with that question you've got to put into consider your personal successes as well so from a junior to a senior titles and everything comes into play with this i do like the outdoors i'm not gonna lie mm-hmm. but at the same time i do think when i'm at my best mm-hmm. probably would be the 60 meters okay to be honest if you look at my senior record yeah it's mainly my successes come from the indoors because okay. i've made three individual uh 60 meter for gb in the row yeah. and i haven't mm-hmm. run for senior gb for a good for outdoors for a good couple of years now okay i'm not consistent enough around the 10 ones 10 holes enough like these other guys are and okay. they get themselves in position for selection mine's a one-off but for 60s i know when i get it right i can run six five six sixes week in week out mm-hmm. so for me to do that is like them guys running nine seconds and 10 holes week in week out yeah so it's just how my body works because i'm smaller framed a bit shorter limbs than all these guys but i'm so compact and powerful mm-hmm. so my first 40 meters when i get it right it's world class yeah and it can probably put me into a six five hopefully six four position that could change my life forever and yeah for me to say i'm a 60 meter runner it's good to be saying you're good at something than nothing okay as, as always like I'll, that, yeah. I'll always enjoy i'll obviously i always approach the summer as always i still believe i could run sub 10 this year and challenge christian coleman ronnie yeah. baker it's all athletes motivate themselves to do yeah but i think to myself do you know what if, I could, if there's a chance where i know i could really medal mm-hmm. like if there's a chance either go to world indoors and think i could actually close with gappy and christian coleman and run mm-hmm. six four or medal then think you know what i might only just scrape the relay mm-hmm. for the olympics and not even run yeah you know and when you think to yourself what's best for you it's like i could probably have more likely run well in the world indoors than the olympics as if things could change i could end up having an average indoors like I've had, but all of a sudden a, nine seconds every yeah, race and think, nothing, yeah, things could change. Nothing set yeah. in stone. Have you ever been to a, um, a senior major champs? You've been selected for relay, but you've not run. I've been, so I got selected in 2013 for the first time. Yeah. It was in Moscow. I didn't run then at all. Okay. Um, and then 2014, I got selected for the Commonwealth Games. Yeah. It was basically based on what the times you did 2013, they picked okay. up because it was so early on the selection. Yeah. Um, so I was only in the relay then, but I got to run the heat, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously got a silver medal from that. Um, so I've not, but since since 2015, really was the last time I ran for GB properly, because mm-hmm. obviously I did the uh, GB World Cup last year, but yeah. I won't really class that as a proper GB really, because it was kind really? of more well. <laughs> In a way, yes and no. Did you wear the kit? I wore the kit, yeah. <laughs> it's a GB, sorry, kit, yeah. it's a GB cop. Fair enough. It's, it was just the way, because it felt very, uh, a bit mediocre, the World Cup. So okay. I think that's kind of why when I thought it was GB thinking, doesn't feel quite like it, you know. Mm. feels like I'm just doing my part here, not really okay. feel like I'm running in the major championships. It felt like a bit like a massive Diamond League. Yeah. Bit, okay. You know, it was very, it was very like that. Um so even though it was a great experience winning in the Olympic Stadium and all then, but yeah, if it's just for me, it just felt like too much like mediocre. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, it just felt because it wasn't a full 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 crowd. Yeah. And um, it was very uh, points and everything. It wasn't really based on that. It was a points thing. So I was thinking like, doesn't feel like a proper championship. Do we need of. more of that in the sport? More competition um, like that 
to help push the sport, give other, give more opportunities to athletes, whether yeah, they're young or I think, I think we could do, actually. Senior. Yeah, because I think we've got some new... Like, obviously, I was part of the relay, but we've got some new faces. We had Ruben Arthur, Sam Gordon, mm-hmm. and Conference Lawson. Yeah. We've not really had that chances before. Yeah. So for them to get their chance to run for GB, yeah, because, you know, they might never get it again. Yeah. Or I might never get it again. You know, you, know, you just don't know what's going to happen. So I think when the opportunity comes, like things like that, always take them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, at the same time, I thought, you know, with that competition itself, because it was a very complete different feeling to other comps, senior comps that did, you know, the setup didn't feel like a major championships. So that's probably yeah. why when I thought it didn't feel quite like a GB to like I have done in the past. Because when I went yeah. on champs, you've seen Usain Bolt and you've seen all the Jamaicans, you think, yeah, this is a proper championship. Yeah. <laughs> but then when you go into the, like, the anniversary games and you're just seeing like guys who are just filling in spots, you know, like mm-hmm. at one point I got asked to do the 4x4 because Cameron, one of the athletes that was about to pull out, you know, so that's kind of why I didn't feel four like... Four by four? Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Yeah. It's a jump oh, as okay. well. Okay. <laughs> that's kind of why I didn't feel so serious because I'm thinking, like, I'm sat there watching and I've got Steve McGuire come up to going, oh, have you got your GB kit with you? I'm like, no, it's in my hotel room. Oh, I've just Cameron might have to pull out. We might need someone to run. I'm like, well, tough me. I ain't got my stuff. So. <laughs> it's kind of like an open meeting, isn't it? That's, <laughs> what, I mean, that's what I meant. I, I could run in this, but if not... I can't yeah, run. That's what I mean. That's kind of what I was meant earlier before because it was things like that when you think to yourself, like, you know, you already have a, you'd have a full squad yeah. fully prepared and we weren't prepared for that meet because it was the first thing ever Fair before. Enough. So, All right. Top three things in athletics for you that stand out and that you always hold close to your chest. Top three. Well, the, my favourite one today is winning the National Indoors in 2017. Okay. Because that, I worked hard for that and mm-hmm. it's to this day not easy to win a senior title so that was still one of my proudest moments I think running in the Commonwealth Games in 2014 mm-hmm. was uh, one of them um, and the third one is a bit of an interesting one basically in 2014 after the Commonwealth Games I ran in Bedford mm-hmm. and I ran 10.10 in the semi-final of the inter-counties mm-hmm. but in the final I nearly ran sub-10 but I pulled my hamstring 10 metres before the line and that would have changed my career forever. That must be tough. And it's tough because ever since then, it was like, that's when I knew I could do it. Because mm. I, I had a good first round. And then the semifinals, I was actually in the OJs. OJ was in the same race. And mm-hmm. I ran 10-10 and I didn't run that well. And I just thought I'm sinking. I didn't lift my hips. So I thought I could run fast in this final. Yeah. And in the second semifinal, DJ Tobias and Sean Safalantui both ran 10-0 as well. Now that race was wind assisted and mine yeah. was legal. So I thought, right, we've got a bit of a race in this final. And we actually, what got frustrating was that final, they rushed the uh, time. So we had another half an hour till we raced. We said, right, guys, you're getting called up in five minutes. Mm. So they wanted to get on with the event, thinking, hold on, we've still got half an hour yet. Yeah. Um, so they four starts, and we get the starter saying, I'm very disappointed in you all for affecting this race and so on. <laughs> Seriously? And, yeah, she said it was our fault. She's like, very disappointed in you lot. <laughs> I'm like, for what? Okay. We didn't do anything. It wasn't my fault. He first started. <laughs> Fair enough. She said something. Really, I was really looking forward to this race, and I'm like, we're about to race now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. Well, she's, she's 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 a, she's a fan. Yeah, we'll put and, it down to that. So anyway, <laughs> so obviously, I run up. So I'm obviously get out in the race. I don't remember the race so well because it was such a blur. Mm-hmm. In the last ten meters, I just felt my left hand just ping a bit, and I just couldn't. I was like, no, I'll I'll make it a lot worse here. And the time came up with 10.04, 10.07, something like that. Yeah. And I thought I was so far ahead. 
and that could have just been it. One of the first white men ever to run, British white men to run sub 10. That, 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 that would have been that a great achievement. Yeah, that that, been... Has it been done yet? No, not officially, no. Kilty's run 10.01. Yeah. But that, was but that was quite a few years ago now, yeah. Okay. Um, but he's run a wind assisted 9.9. Yeah, but he hasn't. Nothing's legal yet, so it's still okay. on the cards. So it's still on the cards. Still on the cards for now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. So I'm pressuring myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Another question for you before um, before we go. People you look forward to racing the most. There's never really one specific. I think it's not as much as the athlete. It's more mm. the environment. So okay. when it's more like the nationals, when it comes to championships, then it's like. There's never really an athlete for me that stands out because I think all athletes are good, especially yeah. at this level. They're all good. Okay. Um, I think the one athlete I would always say was Usain Bolt. Yeah. Obviously, because when I first raced him properly in 2015, mm -hmm. you know, not very often you get to say I'm racing the best athlete in we have world. ever had. Yeah. You know, and for me to actually be a couple lanes away and be in the mix at 40 meters at the start was like, this is amazing. Yeah. You know. Um, and then he's obviously seen him carry on running a really good time. Yeah. And it's intimidating. I don't want to say intimidating because we athletes try not to be like that. But at the same time to say, you know, you're racing probably one of the greatest athletes we've ever had and we mm -hmm. might have not, never get again. Yeah. You know, because those world records were special. Yeah. You know, it's you, you take it in and then you have that confidence thinking that's the level I'm at, you know, as a mindset thing. Yeah. So for me to say... The best one for me to race was Usain Bolt. I can't say any better than that, actually. Fair enough, yeah. fair enough. All right, so what can we expect from you this season? So, obviously, I'm approaching the World Championships as everyone else. Yep. I want to win the trials. My aim, obviously, is to always try and aim for runs up 10, try and get my 200 metres down, yeah. um, get myself in an environment to be a more an elite environment, so I'm pushed constantly by good athletes or even better athletes. So I'm teaching myself to be chasing, not always being chased. Um, and just keep doing what I'm doing you know I felt like physically and mentally I was in the best place ever um, and I think if I could just continue what I'm doing mm -hmm. and make sure I don't get injured I don't do anything silly I don't do anything over the top I'm in for a good 2019 it's going to be a big ask for some of these performances because I'm up against some good guys yeah but it's going to be a but as well it's, you know I feel like I'm in a good place and I think it's game on you know anything can happen in championships and I'm very confident going forward so it's quite exciting actually you know 2019 you know as, as always there's a long season ahead you know I've got yeah. rest of, pretty much the rest of the year left now to get myself ready now so I've got you know got February, March, April, May you know so many months left <laughs> yeah. to get ready so yeah it's going to be good well, okay that's another question um, what did you think about the final European well picks oh for People selection did, yeah selection it is an interesting one I mean a lot of the selections are based from what they did last summer, so they can use that as selection. Yeah. I thought the men's 60 metres was interesting. Um, at the same time, I don't think they had much choice because of, you know, the only select, the only real chance they had was OJ because he did do the 100 metre standard. Now, everyone's argued against that because he obviously came eighth in the final and a lot of people have ran faster than him. But realistically, the, the truth is, if you haven't done the standard, mm -hmm. you don't go and it's quite harsh. And when it came to the Richard Kilty, argument i can totally see where he's coming from you mm -hmm. know and he probably feels like he should be given his chance 
it's just this, it's just unfortunate he got injured because yeah. if he didn't have injured and have full inter, he probably would have done the standard and yeah, and gone, you know. Yeah. So I can. Because he's been there as well. He's been. Yeah, he's won it twice, you know. And I was in the final with him when he won it, and I just got DQ'd sadly. And yeah. that's not. And I don't know if I was ever going to win that, you know. But it is what it is. And for someone like Kilty to not, it's a different one. I think a lot of it because he this could be his third chance to win. He probably mm-hmm. has. I feels like he has a more of a reason to defend his title. Yeah. But if you look at the last two years, he's only ran a few six sixes. He's not pushed onto six fives last couple of years because of injuries. Yeah, and you can't really keep picking people on just because of what they've accomplished in the past. Andy Posey's been picked for the hurdles, and people have questioned it. Yeah, but he's done the standard from the summer, so he is eligible to go. Yeah. So the only thing I would have said he should have done is the trials itself if he was to go, and he did. Anou- and he did announce he wasn't going to do indoors. So yeah. realistically. To not announce, to announce saying he's not going to do it, but then get picked is a bit like, you know, should have done the trials to be fair. Because other countries, you know, they don't have that rule. Yeah. Standards, this is the standard. First three, do what you have to do. Because the Americans are tough. They set the standard or whatever it is. Could be 10 10 or something. Three, do it, you know. And, you know, Christian Coleman could come fourth. Yeah. Don't do the 100 meters. Doesn't matter who he is. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. You know, unless (laughs) unless he's defending champion. Yeah, which is not get a wild no card. choice. Yeah. yeah, so Gatlin obviously he's defending champion. He gets a wild card. He gets to go. Same with Romel Guliev. He's defending two hundred meter champion. He gets to go. Do you think Gat- Gatlin would be 30, 38? I think he's about 36, 37 actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. So by then he'll be pushing pushing into his yeah. late thirty. Well, he's ready in his late. We'll do you see- think? He'll, do you think he will? I don't know. I go mean, out, or do you think he will just sit back and say, do "You know, I've had my time. I've done what I need to do since I've come back." I think he will keep going till next year's Olympics. Okay. Because I think the Olympics are so yeah. close now. He's going to yeah. probably give it one more year. If it doesn't quite go to plan for him at the Olympics, he might think, do "You know what? Enough's enough." So Kim Collins part two. It might be a Kim <laughs> Collins part two. You know, and um, but you know, he's 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 finding a way to manage his body at a late age. Dwayne Chambers, as he's forty years old and he's yeah. only six six, is still it's learning how to manage your body and I think it can be done it's how you know Gatlin knows his body better than anyone he's probably thinking you know what I could use this season to, my, to perfect for me you know I don't have to race every race I can yeah. manage my body well the World Championship not till October I'll be ready and I won't be surprised if he makes the final again and pushes on to medal I think it might be a big ask because Coleman's flying you've got yeah. Noah Lyles who's going to be in the mix and Ronnie Baker yeah. and you've got other athletes as well some athletes could come out of nowhere as well. Yeah. You know what championships we're, are we're, like. We're, yeah. I can almost guarantee <laughs> Some, that a new name is going to yeah. jump Summer's going to hit and out of nowhere, we're just going to hear yeah. about three or four names. Across all of track and field, there's going to be a random athlete that no one's yeah. ever heard of to come out and do something crazy. And, and it's going to be, be okay. A, yeah. And so we've got to watch this person Exactly. Well. And you never know, you might even see the likes of like, you know, Trayvon Brumel, Andre de Grasse come back. Yeah. You never yeah, know. I haven't heard from him for a while. They've had a bit of a quiet... Yeah, yeah I think... Quite a few years. I think he got injured last year at de Grasse, but... De Grasse is back, isn't it? He's been back yeah. training for quite a while now, so... so he might come good again, and then we might see the... Because there were talks after the 2017 World Champs, de Grasse and Coleman could be a good rivalry for the sport once Bolt retired, and obviously we haven't heard much from I mean, de Grasse since, to be honest. For me, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, Coleman, de Grasse, Brumel, if he gets back, those three right there... From a world That's aspect, interesting. I'm like, this could be fire. Like for me, if anyone's going to challenge um, the records that have been set, it's definitely one of those three yeah. at this point in time. I think obviously Coleman's had the last couple of years where he's been flying. So it's like, okay, yeah, he could do it. But these two, these two other guys, Bromel and, and Degrasse, if they get it right, 
Spool could game. do. Same and game. it'd be great to see if they do because at the same time, you know, they're very, uh, you know, it was like we were saying about too much too soon as a youngster. So I just hope they've not done that to them because yeah. they are talented, you know, and mm. hope the same with Coleman because he's still a young lad as well. Yeah. You know, if you just let these guys develop, they could be, you know, superstars. They might, it's hard to say they ever break the world records. We don't know because we can never say. Yeah. But, you know, I won't be surprised. I think Coleman is the best one out of them that's close to getting the 100 meter world record because he was injured for most of 2018 and he still ran 9.79. I know. And that wasn't that towards the end of the season? That's the last race of the season. <laughs> You know, See. he runs a nine nine scraping it through in Birmingham and then yeah. five days later, nine seven, gone. And it was like, Wow, that was a bit of a message that he sent thinking, Yep, yeah, I'm world indoor year. champion and I'm around. So right. yeah, it's gonna be interesting season. I'm and as a as mindset for myself, I'm hoping to be as well in that mix, confident yeah. I can be. I think well my legs turn over as fast as theirs, so why not use it properly? Yeah. So of course they and will. a lot of it's just the mindset, it's like we say comfort zone. That's the mm -hmm. one philosophy that I've started using now is comfort zone. Get yourself out of your comfort zone. And even to youngsters as well, get yourself out of your comfort zones, you know, get yourself in environments where you're not used to, you know, so train with boys a bit older than you sometimes, train, yeah. get yourself in environments where you think, oh, I'm not used to this, I'm, I like being where I'm the top dog in my place, so no, be the, be the small fish in the big pond from now on, see what that feels and you'll learn how to bounce back from that, makes you a much better athlete. Well, well you heard it here first guys, that's Andy Robertson with Athletics Productions. Um, Andy, could you please plug your socials for us so we can get people to follow you? Totally We're going to need to start this campaign of getting you some sponsors because I don't understand how a man who has run 10-1... This long as well. <laughs> ...and been doing the sport for this long does not have any sponsors. So please give us your socials. Yeah, totally, man. Definitely. And that's it. Thanks for everything. You want to follow me? It's AndySub10 on Instagram. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's AROBERTSON100. Um, and that's pretty much what I use for social media for now. But yeah, give us a follow. And if there's anything you want to help me out there, please do because... If you guys support me out there, I'll be able to perform much better. See? It's all about support, guys. I am DJ Armani. Please follow me on Instagram, DJ Armani1. Victor? Victor Panda Addict. Underscore, pa underscore Addict. <laughs> cool. That's us signing out, guys. Thank you for listening to another podcast. We'll be back as soon as possible. Thank out. you, guys. Oh. Yeah.